Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Before starting today's episode, I have a quick announcement to make. I have been writing a graduate school femtoring guide all about helping non-traditional first-generation students of color successfully navigate the graduate school admissions process. Currently, my co-author and I were seeking submissions of sample essays. This means that if you are someone who identifies as a non-traditional first-generation student of color and you'd like to have your grad school application essay featured in our book, please consider submitting it to us. We're happy to send you more information if you're interested. Again, we're looking for essays that include uh, personal statements, statements of purpose, diversity statements from students across all fields in master's and doctoral programs. You can get more information and submit your sample statement to us by emailing me at gradschoolfemtoring at gmail.com. Thanks so much for the consideration. And now back to the show. Welcome back everyone to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Yvette. And for today's solo episode, I'm going to be talking to you all about navigating grief in post-grad life transitions. Now, um, I'll start this episode by uh, sharing a little bit of a personal update. I'm recording this episode in July. Right now, I'm recording episodes about a month in advance. So by the time you're listening to this, it'll be sometime in August. And I have recently moved apartments. I am still in Portugal, in the Porto area, and finding myself still in transition. I moved here last, the end of last year in 2021. And somehow I had this expectation that a couple months into the move, I would be settled. But quite contrary, I am not feeling 100% settled here. There are still a lot of things that I need to get done to fully integrate myself to this new location, to this new culture, to this new language. And sometimes I get frustrated because the bureaucracy is very different here, more complicated in some ways than I'm used to. I'm going through um, navigating a big language barrier, and that's you know a whole other, <laughs> a whole other um, hurdle that now I empathize a lot with my own parents and everybody else in the U.S. who has had to navigate a difficult um, language um, barrier. So those are just some examples. So the, the bureaucracy, the move, the um, things taking longer than expected. And it can be really easy for me to get frustrated, to feel like there's a lot of lack of control. And sometimes I get down uh, because 
one of the things about this experience for me and moving abroad is that it's a big life transition. And so it, it doesn't make sense for me to expect for me to feel 100% settled in less than a year. And so this prompted me to thinking about the topic of life transitions, not just for myself, but for those around me right now, all of my coaching clients are going through some sort of transition of their own. I'm actually really, really proud of the folks that I'm working with. One person who I helped with job application materials and mock interviews landed that job. Another person who I helped with an EDD application got into that doctoral program. Another person who I helped with transitioning um, and transferring grad programs is now starting that program and getting kind of prepped for what they're going to be expected to do in the fall. Another person who's worked with me on fellowship apps has been awarded a national fellowship and has decided to apply for more funding sources and is going to continue working with me to receive support in that way. But all of these things are actually transitions. If you're switching programs, that's a transition. If you're moving to another state to start a new grad program, that's a transition. If you're starting a new job or changing your role, that is a transition. And life transitions, sometimes they can seem really exciting, but they're also difficult. They're also uncomfortable. And there is this level of grief that we don't talk about enough, at least not openly. It's not out in the air. Um, it's not something you talk about over small talk. And if you know me, you know that I'm not a fan of small talk. I would much rather keep it real. I would much rather be honest and upfront when you ask me how I'm, how I'm doing. I'd rather tell you if I'm going through challenges and I would want the same from you um, if we were to have a conversation. Um, and I want that from others to have more open and honest conversations about life transitions because we all go through them. If you are an undergrad and you're thinking about your graduation, you're going to be going through a transition, a life transition right then and there. If you're in grad school and you're planning for, you know, what's going to happen after grad school, that's another life transition. What are some other examples? So I mentioned, you know, if you are landing a new job, you're in a new career in a new role. What happens, for instance, if you've been treated like a student your entire life, and then all of a sudden you graduate, you get your first full-time job, and you're expected to not only manage yourself, but manage others. I recall this happening to me when I got my first full-time job after grad school, all of a sudden I was in charge of managing other grad students. And these are folks who were my age or older and they're coming to me for, to tell them what to do. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> Don't you know what to do? <laughs> it was strange to have had, to be frank, folks be condescending and infantilizing and looking down on me and treating me like a student. There's a lot of, um, ageism because of my younger age compared to my professors that I experienced in grad school. So to not feel fully respected in what I was doing and getting paid for doing as a grad student to all of a sudden having that respect and having others depend on me to tell them what to do and to assess them and their work. That was a big change. I was like, wait, 
really? And <laughs> there was no formal training either. Um, so that that's a transition. And again, like I said, there is grief in transitions. Another example that I mentioned is the new location. You relocate sometimes. You've got to move to a new city, state, or even country for a job. Sometimes you're moving out of state for grad school. And, you know, what happens to you? What happens to your identity when you're placed outside of the place where you grew up? Maybe you were born and raised in the same area. Some of us have that experience. Some folks have moved most of their life. And so in moving, maybe it's not as big of a life transition for them. So in, in my case, for instance, my husband, my partner, he moved a lot as a child. So for him to move cities, to move states, and even to move countries is not that big of a deal as much as it is for me, who I was born and raised in the Southern California area. And I kept telling myself that I wanted to move out, move out, move out. And finally I moved out. And sometimes I get sad because I miss my family, my friends, and my community. And so with a new location, you have to navigate these feelings of, of that loss, loss of space and place and who you are outside of that. Now, there's also this thing that comes up. Again, I don't think we talk about it enough. Even among my girlfriends, I feel like we need to talk about this a little bit more openly. There's only a couple of my friends who are really honest and, and blunt about, about this, about our change in income over time. So what happens if you've grown up poor, you grew up working class, and then that continues on in grad school, then you get your first job and you're making double or sometimes triple what you made in grad school. And maybe some folks near you don't get a job or they don't get the same type of job and they're making the same or less than in grad school. So there's a change in income. And what happens when your class status changes and what if your identity rests on a very particular class status if you grow up poor or working class then that changes then how does that change you how does that change the relationships with those around you what if your class status changes compared to your family members for instance and what if it actually fluctuates you know in my case i went from not making a lot as a grad student to making okay uh, in my salary um, at the university to now I'm not making a lot again. And I anticipate that's going to change too because when I'm done writing this book, <laughs> I plan to keep doing more workshops and get even more clients in. And for certain talks and events and opportunities because of my experience, my many years of experience because of the book, because of all the things I have going on, I will increase my rates too um, because I have more knowledge, more experience and more to offer. So what happens again, when your class status changes and if it fluctuates over time? Another example of a life transition is if you have, you know, if you're getting married or partnered, or alternatively, if you're getting divorced or going through a separation. So if you've been single for a long time, what happens if you all have got all of a sudden enter into a serious relationship, monogamous, polygamous, whatever works for you, if it becomes a serious relationship, then what? What happens similarly, if you've been in a relationship for a long time, and then all of a sudden you become interdependent, or intra-dependent, 
or enmeshed with that person where you no longer know who you are outside of this relationship. What happens if you get divorced or separated then? You know, thinking about these things because they do happen. Another big example, and I'm hearing about this more and more, I think because um, I am more open and talking about my own chronic illness and my own disability. And so folks are reaching out to me to share their experiences or they're wanting to work with me specifically because of my experience with chronic illness and they too are struggling with this. So what happens if you suddenly develop a chronic illness, if you suddenly develop a physical disability, if it's visible or invisible, who do you become? How do you change in, in this instance? And in all the other examples I mentioned earlier of life transitions, there is loss. Who you were and who you are becoming are not necessarily the same person. There is a grieving process. It is uncomfortable. And it is inevitable to go through this. The life transitions, you can't avoid them. Even if you stay in the same place forever, <laughs> you keep the same job forever. Eventually, it's going to hit you. Eventually, something's going to happen. It could be related to your health or a loved one's health. It could be related to all of a sudden you get laid off unexpectedly. It could be related to you never know. I mean, life is so unpredictable. The only thing that we can safely predict is change. And for a lot of us, especially if you're like me, like we want to take control. We want to feel like we have a say in our lives and we have agency. And so when things come up and life transitions come up that make remind us that some things are out of our control, it can be hard to navigate this change. Some of these examples I brought up are changes that we brought on, we bring on for ourselves. So me moving abroad, I did that. <laughs> That's because of me, you know, versus like me developing a chronic illness. That was not something I intentionally did. I, it wasn't like I was intentionally working towards developing a chronic illness. Um, but it still happened. It was still a big life transition and it still affected me and who I am and who I'm becoming. And so I just want you to think about, you know, I'll share a little bit of advice about what I think may be helpful for you if you're currently in the middle of navigating some sort of major life transition, particularly post-graduation life transitions, because this is when it's it hits you the most is when there's this clear distinction between your life in school and your life after school. So post-grad can mean post-undergrad or post-grad school. But if you're in that post-grad, you just finished a program transition, trying to figure out what comes next. This is a tough time. It's exciting. I'm very proud of you for reaching this accomplishment and milestone, but it's also hard and you got to give yourself some grace in this moment. So what's my advice if say, you know, you recently moved, you recently changed careers, your um, income has changed. Maybe you were tight or not tight, or you tight again with your income, or maybe you suddenly become single or partnered, or maybe you were formerly child-free and all of a sudden you um, are carrying a child, you're pregnant, you're going to um, have have a baby, or maybe you were formerly able-bodied and suddenly you become disabled. Um, 
or I mean, I could just keep going on and on and on. There's so many examples of life transitions. What is my advice to help you cope? The first thing that I found especially helpful, and this is why I continue to be open and talking about chronic illness and oof, I will be, I will also be honest with you. It's July. We're going through a big heat wave here in Europe and Portugal's facing a lot of fires and most buildings here don't have AC. We don't have AC. I am very sensitive to the heat. My chronic illness flares up during the heat. So I have not been feeling well. I have not been feeling my best. I have been in more pain than usual. It is not fun. And so navigating transitions um, are not fun. Uh, sometimes I, I don't want to talk about how I'm not feeling that great, but I continue to be open and honest about my experiences. Why? Because it opens me up to the opportunity of meeting other people with shared experiences. I help to remind other folks that they're not alone too. And so that first um, piece of advice is to surround yourself with others who have gone through similar experiences. It makes me feel so good when folks reach out to me to meet with me to talk about their own kind of struggles with chronic illness or with chronic pain or with disabilities. And so to, to be in community, to have others to turn to, to have someone to talk to, to have someone to get advice from, if maybe they're a few years, you know, a few years into whatever transition you're going through, that's nice. I have my friends I can turn to with, to ask advice about leaving higher ed, for instance. I have my friends I can turn to to be um, in community and kind of vent together about dealing with chronic pain. You know, I have folks to turn to based on the different transitions. I actually, um, I have one friend who I can talk to about life moving to Portugal. I, I've got a therapist who moved abroad too. And um, it's, it's really, really helpful to have people to turn to, to talk to about these things. Another word of advice is, um, and I just mentioned it right now, is if you can afford it, even if it's via sliding scale or only meeting every other week or even monthly, but I highly, highly recommend finding a therapist to help support you in this transition. Sometimes folks feel like you have to be going through a crisis to work with a therapist, but that's not necessarily true. Even if it's once a month, having someone, having a space and place to vent, to share unapologetically and just completely unload and then get their open, honest, unbiased professional advice on your situation that helps, that helps a lot. So therapy, um, you know, sometimes there are folks who do this through coaching too, although I have more experience um, myself working with therapists, but I am also an academic coach and some of this stuff comes up. I'm not a therapist, but some of these conversations come up in my sessions with clients too about how to strategically navigate and compassionately navigate these transitions. So again, therapist or some sort of professional to help you navigate this transition will be really helpful. The next word of advice is to maintain some consistency and familiarity amidst your change. And to do that, it means having some sort of consistency in your routine. 
if you're going through a lot of changes, it can be comforting to have something that you can turn to for familiarity. So that can be maybe keeping your same morning routine or maybe developing a new routine that works best for you is having something consistent, familiar, expected that um, you can turn to to help ease that change. That helps a lot. You know, in my case, I have a very set routine of uh, keeping things slow in the mornings because I know I don't feel that great in the mornings. And so even if I'm going through very big, difficult things, even I have to navigate difficult bureaucracy, even if I have to go to all these appointments, I know when in the day to do them or what days in my week to do them. Um, I, I do a little bit of time blocking in that sense to keep things kind of routine and consistent and manage the overwhelm in these transitions. Another thing, and this is advice that I need to take myself because <laughs> I'm not perfect either, but this one is just to remind you that it's okay to go slow and steady. What do I mean by that? I mean that if you're going through a big life transition, I don't know about you, but during big transitions, I want to take control. I want to get things done. I want to manage the transition as quickly, as smoothly as possible to minimize the discomfort that I feel. So what does that mean? That means if I'm moving, I want to move and unpack quickly. If I've got a new job, I want to learn the ropes at this new job and transition in smoothly and quickly. If I've got a bunch of like bureaucratic things I need to get done, then I want to get them done as quickly as possible. Everything, I want to get it done quickly because again, I want to be done with the transition and be settled um, into this new change, whatever that change is. But um, not everything can happen quickly. Not everything will go your way. Not everything will happen smoothly. It's really easy to get stressed and frustrated when this happens. But if you remind yourself that actually it's okay to th take things slowly. So in my case, I get frustrated. I think to myself, why haven't I built community here in this new city and country I've moved to? Where are all the really cool, like, <laughs> where are all the real, really cool POC? Where are all the really cool, like, social justice informed folks in this area? Where, where are my people? Where are the neurodivergent folks? Where are the chronically ill folks? Where, you know, the, the folks who are immigrants, but not ex wealthy expats? Like, where are my people? I haven't found them, but they're out there. And I have to remind myself, it's okay to take it slow, it's okay if I don't have everything set up right then and there. It takes time to transition. I haven't even been here a year. I feel the same way with my business, with grad school femme touring. I'm happy with the clients that I'm work, working with, but I'm like, where are the rest of my clients? You know, and, and why am I not doing more workshops? And when am I gonna be done with this book? And, and then I think to myself, realistically, in my schedule, based off my time, even my, my abilities and how I feel day to day, it's not realistic for me to expect myself to be doing a million things in my business and making you know, enough money to sustain my family. Like right now we're tight, but you know what? It's okay because I haven't even been in business for a year yet. It's been less than a year it's okay. It's okay to take things slow. It's okay. You know, especially when you, when you don't compare yourself to others, because you never know where people are in their transitions and in their life stages. 
So it's really easy to fall into that comparison trap and to want to get things done quickly and to want to make everything seem so great. And I try to um, balance that line between sharing how nice it is, you know, the reasons why I've pursued the life of being an entrepreneur, I've pursued the life of living abroad, but at the same time, it's all, it's not all the way that it's shared and romanticized on social media. It's not all great. And so I just want to remind you that like transitions are hard. They may seem really great and exciting. Maybe you bought a home. You know, I, I know folks who like recently bought a home for the first time in their life. They've been working so hard, finally landed their job, finally bought a home. Even that is stressful. <laughs> I do not envy them. Been there, done that. And I decided to say no to home ownership, <laughs> at least for now. Um, but, you know, it, again, you know, on the outside, these transitions may seem big and exciting. Um, but when you're actually going through them, it's not always a joyous moment. Some parts of it can be difficult, uncomfortable, and involve grief and loss. Okay, so the next thing I also want to share, which is the last point I'm going to make when it comes to advice on how to navigate grief, how to navigate difficult moments in life transitions, um, is to focus on the benefits and the growth that come from this change. You got a new job, maybe this new job excites you, even if it's difficult and scary to learn all these new things, maybe you start to really like it. Maybe you move to a new location and you realize, oh, there are like some things that you really like about it. Oh, I really like that coffee shop or I really like this area or I really like this park nearby or I whatever it is, just finding things to look forward to. I like my neighbor, whatever it is. Um, or maybe you're going through something really difficult and, and right now it just feels like nonsensical. Like, why am I going through something this hard or this sad or this unjust? And those things happen too. And if you're going through that kind of life transition, it's just having a lot of compassion with yourself and, um, and just reminding yourself that the, this stage in your life is going to pass and you are going to learn from it. And maybe it's painful and maybe the pain will continue to be there, but it will lessen over time. And you going through this painful moment will create more self-compassion and more compassion for others. And, you know, for in my case, for instance, like I've gone through grief and loss of a parent. I um, have also gone through the grief and loss of formerly being healthy and able-bodied. And um, for many, many years, I refused to admit that I, that I was going to deal with chronic health issues. I always kept thinking one day I'll find the solution. One day I'll figure out what's wrong with it. One day I'll take a medication and I'll get better. And so it took a while for me to fully accept this new reality for myself. And it could take a new, a new while for you to fully accept this transition. If it is a really dark, painful, scary, sad transition. So just reminding yourself like this will pass. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. It may be completely unjust, but I will get through it. I will survive. I will, um, I will reach the other side and hopefully I will be a better person from this experience. 
and that wisdom that comes from the pain that you experience, that's something that you can share with others. That's something that you can actually, um, um, what's the word for it? Like you can put it in some sort of medium that you can share to the world in a really beautiful way, whether that's in your writing, whether that's in your art, whether that's in your poetry, whether that's in your music, whatever it is, like there are mediums for you to um, to share your grief in a way that is healing for you and for others as well. So that's it for, for this week. Um, thinking about my own life transitions made me think about everybody else who's going through life transitions, whether it's my clients, whether it's my former students, whether it's my friends, my family members, every time I check in with folks and maybe it's because that's just who I am. Like I keep it real and because I keep it real, I keep it real. And then I'm realizing, wow, we're all navigating some really difficult things. I maybe that's called adulting. Maybe that's part of <laughs> being older. Maybe you haven't faced your own big life transition yet, but just know it's coming. And when it does come, listen to this episode and take care of yourself. All right. Okay. I'll talk to you all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you would like additional support as you navigate your educational trajectory, then sign up for my free 15-page grad school femtoring resource kit. This 15-page kit includes essential information such as organizational tools, research resources, my own email organizing system, info on how to apply to grad school, as well as how to manage your grad school and career outcomes, and much more. Go to gradschoolfemtraining.com slash kit to get it today. Thank you so much for joining me in the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or email me your review at gradschoolfemtoring at gmail.com. You can also show your support by going to gradschoolfemtoring.com and joining my mailing list where you'll receive weekly tips, podcast and blog updates, as well as discounts for my digital downloads, online courses, and much more. One last thing, don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Until next time.